throwback Thursday, and we have a few throwback Blue Jays stories today, of course. But in the first segment, my goodness, the Houston Astros walked into the Rogers Center on Monday night and delivered a punch right to the teeth of the Toronto Blue Jays. Remember that six-run onslaught in the first inning? Astros cruised to that 11-4 victory, and it looked like this four-game series was going to be an absolute nightmare. Later on today, right, at this point now, the hot Jose Barrios on the mound as the Blue Jays actually have a chance to take three out of four in this series. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Craig Ballard, Locked On Blue Jays. I am Locked On Blue Jays. I am thankful that you're choosing to spend part of your day talking Toronto Blue Jay baseball with me. Reminder that Locked On Blue Jays is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And also want to remind you that all the Blue Jay games this season, of course, are available to take in and catch on Sirius XM. If you are watching today's Locked On Blue Jay podcast on the Locked On Blue Jay YouTube channel, thank you for that. Please be so kind to hit that like, hit that subscribe, add that comment, please, and thank you. And for the everydayers making Locked On Blue Jays your first podcast listen each and every day, can't thank you enough. Please hit that five-star review also. The, the Locked On Blue Jay podcast on Apple, I think it's at 3.3 out of 5 in total. The, the, the reviews for this season have been great, so thank you guys so much for that. It's a previous... Uh, hosts, I guess that that the fan base wasn't wasn't thrilled with, or or the product that that, that they weren't thrilled with. So previous, uh, you know, uh, uh, ratings uh, on the on on Apple are lower. So would love to get that three point three higher, uh, if you think it's worthy of it. Right, please and thank you. Wow, very exciting time for Toronto Blue Jays when you're talking about Jose Barrios. Let's let's get into today's pitching matchup. Jose Barrios, one of the question marks coming into 2023. How ironic, right? It, it just this is such a cautionary tale, or, or or is it maybe more accurate to say such an example of how every season? I mean, baseball is all about numbers. It's all about uh, um, you know analyzing it, talking about it, deep diving, all that stuff. Yes, yeah, so that's always going to be the case. Yes, but maybe going forward, we need to have a little more grain of salt, right? When we when we look at these preseason things, because who would have thought at the beginning of the season that Jose Barrios would be rocking it for the Toronto Blue Jays? Well, at the beginning of June, Alec Manoa isn't even a Toronto Blue Jay anymore. Like, is that stunning? Is that stunning? Who, who amongst us saw that coming? I mean, wow. But that Alec Manoa, that's, that's a conversation for, for a different day. That's, that's part of the bad news of the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays. Jose Barrios smack dab in the good news category for the Blue Jays so far this season. Six starts in a row. Jose Barrios has lowered his ERA. My goodness. I, I can't say that's unprecedented or a record or anything along those lines. I'll tell you, I've never noticed something like that before. Like that just seems incredibly impressive to me uh, last season you remember jose barrios had the worst era in the league this season he's 18th in the league and with a good start tonight could actually pass shane bieber for 17th like holy top 20 worst in baseball last season worst in the league worst now top 20 jose barrios keep doing your thing Blue Jays 3-1 and one when Barrios starts at the Rogers Center. Now, that one loss was the last time he was at home. That was that May 18th, a game against the Yankees. That was the rubber match of that Yankees series. Remember, the Yankees won that game 4-2. to Barrios pitched well, gave up that early two-run home run to Aaron Judge, then really settled in. It was great the rest of the day. Blue Jays scoring two runs. I mean, not going to win a lot of games that way, right? Now, overall, the Houston Astros have hit Jose Barrios very well, but not the top three in their order. And I say top three, yes, this is very likely not the actual top three for, for tonight's game, considering Jose Otuve is back now. But Mauricio Dubon, Jeremy Pena, and Jordan Alvarez, they are combined one for 17 with five strikeouts. 
versus versus Jose Brewers. Holy moly. Again, even if that's not officially the top three in the batting order, that's still three prominent hitters that, that Brewers will have to face tonight. So again, Dubon, Pena, Alvarez combined one for 17, five strikeouts. Rest of the Astros, okay. Okay, rest of the Astros, they're, they're, here comes the glass half empty. The rest of the Astros are combined 37 for 123. That's a 301 batting average. So the rest of the Astros have hit Barrios. Now, definitely worth mentioning that Barrios faced this Astros squad back in April, and it wasn't one of those examples where the Astros hit him. He was very good that game. Seven innings pitched, two runs on three hits. That was the finale of that series as well. I think the Jays ended up losing the game like eight to one. But if you if you take your mind's eye back to that game, Barrios was awesome. It was like a two nothing or two to one late in that game, and then the bullpen just went boom, like everything just blew up. If you remember at the end of that game, but Barrios was very good. Jose Barrios's sinker has been significantly better this season. His four-seam fastball control and the location has been so much more consistent this season. Jose Barrios in 2022, he missed his spots badly and often. And so many of those times was right down the middle, right? Right down the middle. 2023, Jose Barrios living on the corners significantly better. You could say he's all the way back. I'm comfortable saying he's all the way back because he's just been so impressive in particular lately. The walks and the strikeouts... I mean, 2022 is a terrible season for Jose Barrios, but truth be told, the walks and the strikeouts in 2023 are, are pretty much identical from last season. The, the difference is the location with the pitches. He's allowed way fewer balls this season to be squared up. That's been the key, right? Jose Barrios last season had 10, what? 10, double digit, 10 starts where he allowed at least five earned runs. And you know from last year, I mean, there there was an eight in there, a nine in there, a seven, a six. Like it wasn't just five every, as if 10 starts allowing five runs isn't bad enough. But some of those, of course, remember, that's at least five runs. His first start this season was at Kansas City. Remember, he was rocked for eight runs in that first game, right? We were we were all like, oh, my goodness. It's the 2023 Jose Barrios as a continuation from the major problem. That was the 2022 Jose Barrios. Oh, crap. Well, he also allowed five runs in that Boston start. So that's that's two starts. Of his 12, where he's allowed at least five runs. I mean, significantly better, right? Last season, Jose Barrios allowed more hits than anyone else in the entire league. This season, he's not even averaging, he's not even allowing one hit per inning. I mean, what stat do you want to look at? What stat do you want to deep dive? It's all got the arrow pointed upwards in 2023 for Jose Barrios. That improved fastball and that sinker have made the always great slurve. Remember, the slurve, even last season, the slurve was excellent, but the fastball and the sinker were very problematic. This season, they've been significantly better. It's made the curve that much more effective this season. And it is his least pitch, it is his least thrown pitch, his changeup. But man, take take your mind's eye to, to Jose Barrios' season. Hasn't the changeup been so much better in 2023 as well? My goodness. So again, rocked at Kansas City, rocked at Boston. The rest of the season for Jose Barrios, that's 10 starts. 16 a third innings pitched, 16 earned runs. That's a 2.39 ERA. That's three runs lower than what his ERA was last season. I mean, are you kidding me right now? And in those 10 games, Blue Jays are seven and three. Seven and three. And in two of those three losses, one time the Jays scored two runs. We were just talking about it, the Yankee game. And in another game, they scored one run. I think they lost. I think they lost, I'm pretty sure they lost that game two to one, actually. So basically, again. We have to be honest, right? He was rocked at Kansas City. He was rocked at Boston. That's very true. That's only two of his dozen starts. The other 10, basically speaking, if the Toronto Blue Jays offense did anything, the Blue Jays won that game. That's the level of the turnaround we've seen this season from Jose Barrios. Now, truth be told, he's going to need to be good tonight. Oh, my gosh. Framber Valdez on the mound for the Astros. Oh, boy. 
Framber Valdez last season, number five in Cy Young voting, led the league with three complete games, led the league in innings pitched, faced the most batters last season, yet allowed the fewest home runs. I mean, how does that work, right? Is that impressive? My goodness. Extremely good lefty who the Blue Jays got to miss in that April series. 2.16 ERA for Valdez. That's the fourth best in baseball. I mean, side note, Sonny Gray has the third best ERA in baseball. Blue Jays face him tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Astros have won the last five starts that, that, that have been for Amber Valdez. He himself on the road this season is 4-0 with a nifty little 2.25 ERA. I mean, is that going to work? Wow. Opponents hitting just 184 versus Framber Valdez on the road. and But now some glass half full here. He is averaging allowing one home run per start. So hopefully we see at least one big fly from a Toronto Blue Jay today. Matt Chapman. Oh, boy. He is somebody who's been dominated by Valdez to the tune of two for 11 with three strikeouts. But I want to mention that the double play combo for the Blue Jays. Watch John Schneider put Biggio or or Espinal in second, but I'm assuming that the double play combination tonight for the Toronto Blue Jays will be Bo and Witt, as well as it should be. Now, they're a combined 8 for 17 with a pair of home runs versus Valdez. 8 for 17, that's a 471 batting average. Is that going to work? So we'll look for something from that double play combo today. Now, Framber Valdez faced the Blue Jays in this ballpark at Rogers Center last season. It was a 3-2 Blue Jay victory. He allowed three runs on two hits. Now, hopefully, um, hopefully he's facing a different animal tonight with, in, in this Blue Jay lineup, especially at the bottom of the lineup. If, if, if you take your mind's eye back, if you remember Valdez at Rogers Center versus the Blue Jays last season, that 7-8-9, that bottom of the lineup was uh, was Espinal, Capra, Vinny Capra, and Zimmer. And believe it or not, there's a Tapia pinch hit in there too. So, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, about the weakest bottom of the lineup you've ever seen, right? It's significantly better for the Blue Jays this season. You'll know Valdez is on because you'll see if he is, you'll see a ton of ground balls. This guy is a ground ball machine. His main pitch is a mid 90s sinker. <sighs> so when he's living with that pitch at the bottom of the zone, forget it. It's very hard to elevate that pitch. You're hitting that ball in the ground, you know, significantly often, right? That cut fastball and that curve, uh, they're dominant pitches as well. Now, righties will see his change up. And that is the one pitch that has been hit. It's tough to go up there looking to pick out a changeup, but if you can against Framber Valdez, that is the one pitch that he struggled with. Now, this game, of course, available to take in on SiriusXM. And coming up on Locked On Blue Jays, we have a few throwback Thursday stories with a Blue Jays and Astros theme. But first, I wanted to talk to you about bird dogs, stretchy pants, and shorts. Bird dogs make you look good, okay? Can I tell you something? I've got two pairs of bird dog stretchy shorts. They make you look good. They're khaki shorts. They're designed for a fit, for a fit slim, for a slimmer fit. Easy for me to say, a slimmer fit, right? And it helps your thigh and, and your leg. I mean, it, it gives you that sculpted look. I like the way I look in these shorts here. And the shorts themselves, I want to say, I like the colors they have as well. They fit way better than regular shorts, and they're made of a that are made of a like you know you know your regular shorts. It's like a, like a stiff. Uh, restricting is that the way to put it like a, a restricting cotton on most shorts materials not the bird dogs the bird dogs have they've actually invented a, a cloud knit fabric that it looks just like khaki but it stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice any movement and you certainly not, aren't sacrificing comfort you're increasing the comfort i'll tell you that bird dogs uses bird dog uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric easy for me to say let's do that again anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long now, if you go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB and enter the promo code locked on MLB, you'll get a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler. Now let's get into some throwback Thursday stories. Let's throw it back to September 1st, 2019. Toronto Blue Jays hosting the Houston Astros. Same matchup, the same ballpark as we got going in this series, right? 
Justin Verlander pitching for Houston against the bullpen day for the Toronto Blue Jays. As this, as if you know, facing Justin Verlander not going to be hard enough. The 2019 Blue Jays they're they're running a bullpen game against them. Okay, all in told, that was Wilmer Font, Sam Gaviglio, Zach Godley, and Ken Giles. Giles was legit, right? But Wilmer Font, Sam Gaviglio, and Zach Godley against Justin Verlander. I mean, what could go wrong, right? Okay. Verlander would author in this particular game, he would author the sixth and still the most recent no hitter versus the Toronto Blue Jays. And oh, 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 by the way, Justin Verlander as a Detroit Tiger eight years earlier authored the fourth no hitter against the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, is, is that incredible? I'm huge on greatness being measured over time. Well, I mean, Justin Verlander, is he incredible? No hits the Blue Jays in 2011 as a Tiger comes back and no hits them as an Astro in 2019. Incredible, incredible. Now, if you remember that 2019 team at, at the time, it was September 1st, right, of the 2019 season. So by this time, Bo, Biggio, and Flatty, they'd all been called up to the big league level. They were all hitting one, two, and three in this game, in fact. Well, Verlander wasn't impressed uh, by the hype of these three as, as they combined to go 0 for 9 with four strikeouts. Justin, a couple of lefty first basemen, Justin Smoke and Rowdy Telez, they hit fourth and fifth. They would go 0 for 8 with 5 strikeouts, or bigger pardon, 0 for 6 with 5 strikeouts. They only put the ball in play once all game <laughs> against Justin Verlander. And then the rest of the lineup was Randall Gritchich, Billy McKinney, Brandon Drury, and Reese McGuire. And those, that bottom four of the lineup would combine to go 0 for 12 with 5 strikeouts. It was domination start to finish, top to bottom. Justin Verlander was incredible. All told, that's a complete game. No runs on no hits. One walk. 14 strikeouts. Wow. The second batter, the Kevin Biggio was the second batter of the game. Verlander walked him. Of course, what, you could have seen that coming, right? Of course, Biggio walked and then set down the next 26 Toronto Blue Jays. Holy cow. Former Blue Jay, uh, Aledmiz Diaz, he went one for three for Houston in that game. George Springer played in that game for Houston as well. He pinch hit. He went 0 for 1. Now, in the top of the ninth inning, the very light hitting Abraham Toro, who had two home runs in the 2019 season while that second home run was in the top of the ninth against Ken Giles with a man on to give Houston the two nothing lead and eventually the two nothing win. Thank goodness for that. Or from a Houston Astros, from a Justin Verlander standpoint, because imagine Verlander might've thrown that no hitter through nine innings and not got, not got a decision they, they may have had to go to the bullpen uh, in extra innings there. Holy moly. But that, that two run home run and the incredible performance by Verlander would give him the win that made Verlander at that time 17 and 5. He would go on to finish 21 and 6 and earn his second of his three Cy Youngs. Uh, just just uh, to touch on that 2011 no no as well in Toronto. So that was zero runs on zero hits, obviously. One walk. Now, just four strikeouts that time, but the one walk, I mean, what separated that no hitter from a perfect game? It was the eighth inning, it was a full count pitch. And it could have been called strike three as well. So, I mean, Justin Verlander was this close. It was uh, it was JPR and Sebia. It was JPR and Sebia of all people. So, you know, I mean, Verlander wasn't afraid of him, right? He was trying to strike him out. I, I always wanted to talk to Justin Verlander uh, about that that pitch selection because I, I don't know why he didn't stick with the fastball. Actually, every day, as we'll remember, I spoke to Ben Verlander, Justin Verlander's brother, about that very pitch, this very topic, this this this, this exact that bat. And, uh, and and he thought that the call was a pretty good call. It could have gone either way. It could have been strike three, but probably was a ball. And I think I remember Ben Verlander even saying, yeah, you know what? At the time, I, I remember thinking, don't know why you went with a secondary pitch there. You, you've been killing it all game. Should have just lit him up with, with the fastball, especially somebody as light hitting as J.P. Aaron Sebia. Now, what's incredible 
that Aaron Sebia walk, that was with one out, and then the very next batter hits into a double play. So Justin Verlander faces the minimum 27 batters that day. Jeez. On the other end of that was Ricky Romero. Now, Ricky Romero got rocked for the Blue Jays that game. The, the Tigers actually won that game 9-0. One more crazy thing about that game and Justin Verlander versus the Blue Jays in general, Verlander has made six starts at Rogers, and two of them have been no-nos. So you, you'd think... Okay, his numbers at Rogers Center are clearly, you know, eye pop emoji. Overall, versus the Blue Jays, he does have good numbers and, and does have good numbers. I don't, sorry, I should say at Rogers Center, he does have good numbers against the Toronto Blue Jays. Three and one record, 2.55 ERA. That makes sense, right? Paranono's in there. But overall, just four and seven with the 4.13 career versus the Blue Jays. That's his worst. St- stat line against any other franchise how incredible i mean are we talking extremes here the 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 franchise that has caused justin verlander the most problems that has hit him the most over his career is the toronto blue jays but this guy's got two no hitters against the toronto blue jays like holy moly now if you're talking throwback thursday and the, the sort of the, the the umbrella, you know, the 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 theme we're operating under is Toronto Blue Jays and Houston Astros. Well, then you got to be talking Roger Clemens. We, we touched on this earlier this week. He's very definitely the best player to ever play for both franchises. Roger Rocket Roger Clemens was a Toronto Blue Jay for two seasons. He amassed a forty-one and thirteen record. Jeez. Two seasons, forty-one and thirteen. Is that good? Two point three three ERA. Just under 500 innings pitched, well over 500 strikeouts. The two best seasons of his career for strikeout per innings pitched, in fact, is 10.4 strike uh, per nine innings. I beg your pardon, strikeouts per nine innings. In 1998, his 10.4 strikeouts per nine innings led all of baseball. He was an all-star both seasons he was with the Toronto Blue Jays. He was a 20-game winner both seasons he was in the Tron- with the Toronto Blue Jays. Led the league in wins both seasons with the Toronto Blue Jays. Led the league in ERA both seasons with the Toronto Blue Jays led the league in strikeouts both seasons with the Toronto Blue Jays. That's the triple crown. Yeah, we know there's a triple crown for batting. There's one for pitching as well. If you lead the league in wins, uh, strikeouts, and ERA, that's the triple crown for pitching. Roger Clemens, two years with the Blue Jays, two pitching triple crowns. My goodness, my goodness. And and there's there's goodness in here as well for the analytics crowd. He led in, uh, in both of his seasons. He led the league in ERA+. Plus. In, in both of his seasons, he led the league in FIP, f- uh, fielding independent pitching. Uh, in both seasons, uh, sorry, his, his 2.25 FIP in 1997 actually is the best in franchise history. So if you're a FIP fan, then Roger Clemens is for you. He had the two best seasons in Toronto Blue Jay history for adjusted ERA plus, And he had the two best seasons in Toronto Blue Jay history of adjusted wins. My goodness. My goodness. Holy moly. <laughs> Holy moly. Absolutely incredible. He was 10th in MVP voting. He was a Blue Jay in 97 and 98. So on top of the Cy Young heroics he was also 10th in mvp voting in 97 11th in 98 cy young both of those seasons and remember now that's on the heels for the toronto blue jays of pat henkin winning the cy young in 96 so the toronto blue jays had the cy young award winner in 1996 1997 and 1998 pretty incredible no wins came right there was no team success that came with that you you already know that i was gonna say i'll tell you that but you already know that but yes i mean individual performance wise how about a team with Three straight Cy Young winners. Very, very impressive. Roger Clemens had an 8.1 war 
1998. That's the third best ever in the history of this franchise. And his 11.9 war in 1997 is uh, the best season and is the best war in franchise history. My goodness. He, in 1997, his ERA, you, you talk about minuscule, it was 2.05 was 2.05. That's the lowest in franchise history. His 1.03 whip in 1997 is the second best in franchise history. Alec Manoa, 0.922 ER, uh, sorry, 0.992 whip last season is the best in franchise history. I know it's too early to bring up Manoa. Manoa, right? I know, I know, I know. 6.482 hits per nine innings. That was in 1988. So about six and a half hits per nine innings. That's a franchise record. Now, I will mention that the hound on the mound, Chris Bassett, is on pace to, to best that this season. That'd be pretty cool. And it's 271 strikeouts in 1998. That's the second best in franchise history. And it's second best because it's 292 in 1997 is the best. And to be honest with you, no one is even close. Robbie Ray, I think, came within 30 or 40 during his Cy Young in 2021, but nobody's ever been close. And both... Both of these seasons, Rocket Roger Clemens out there with three complete game shutouts. I don't mean combined. You had three complete game shutouts in 97, three complete game shutouts in 98. I mean, how many years from now going forward, how long will it be until the Blue Jays amass? Have any pitcher you want. Have, have them combined to the Blue Jays total another three complete game shutouts, right? Does not happen in this day and age. Roger Clemens was stacking them back in the day as a Toronto Blue Jay. And finally, on Throwback Thursday, Toronto Blue Jays story doesn't have anything to do with the Houston Astros, but this is a request from a frequent commenter on the Locked On Blue Jay podcast on YouTube, Dulce Maris. Dulce Maris, I see your comments. I, I enjoy interacting with you. I, I appreciate your support. I appreciate you. You're becoming an everydayer, Dulce Maris. I, I see you making comments a, a lot there. I really thank you for that. And Dulce Maris dropped a comment. Hey, on one of the Throwback Thursdays, if you could uh, ever talk about Cecil Fielder, one of my favorite former Toronto Blue Jays as well. Dulcimeris, you support me the way you do, then, then that means for me, ask and ye shall receive. Absolutely, yes. The big fella, Cecil Fielder, right? 30 games as a Toronto Blue Jay in 1985, four home runs. 34 games as a Blue Jay in 86, four home runs. 82 games as a Jay in 1987, 14 home runs. 74 games as a Blue Jay in 1988, Nine home runs. Well, Craig, I'm super confused. That's 220 games as a Blue Jay, just 31 home runs. I thought this guy was, was you know, reputed as a, as a big old bopper. He was. He was. Unfortunately, th those times, those games were not as a member of the Toronto Blue Jays. In fact, he had 31 home runs over parts of four seasons for the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, he would have six seasons going forward, six seasons where he hit at least that many with the Detroit Tigers. At the time, you'll probably remember Cecil Fielder was platooning at first base with Fred McGriff. So e even if the Blue Jays could see the potential in, in Cecil at that time, and, and really you couldn't see the potential at that time, but of course you could see it in Fred McGriff. And, and that's needed to be had for to be made for Fred McGriff, right? And I think things worked out there. Uh, that's Hall of Famer Fred McGriff, right? I, I think um, uh, things might have worked out okay there, yes. So but hitting... Uh, platooning with Fred McGriff. So he heads over to Japan. He plays one season there. He hits over 300 and hits, I think it was 38 home runs. So he reestablished himself quick and it didn't go well early for him too. He really adjusted and to his credit really started to just hit really well over there in Japan. So the very next season, 1990 Detroit Tigers, bring him back to North America on a two year, $3 million prove it deal, right? Like you killed it in Japan. That's different pitching than here. You know, are you really 
an awesome hitter, you know, prove it to us here, and, and then you'll see that big payday. Now, in 1990, on the last game of the season, the Tigers are at Yankee Stadium. How cool is that? I mean, how historic, you know, playing at Yankee Stadium, and Fielder does this. He hits for season home runs number 50 and number 51. My goodness, is that good? Walks back into Major League Baseball, comes back from Japan, walks back into North America, into Major League Baseball, 51 home runs. He was the he became at that point he became the first player to hit 50 bombs since all the way back in 1977. That was George Foster at that time, Cincinnati Reds. 1990, second in MVP voting to Ricky Henderson. That was his first season back with Detroit. The next season, 1991, second in MVP voting to Cal Ripken Jr. I mean, holy moly. And those Detroit Tiger teams didn't do a lot of winning, right? The only reason a big Cess wasn't winning MVPs is because Oakland with Ricky Henderson, Baltimore with Cal Ripken Jr. were, were having you know much better seasons, and of course Ripken Jr. with with the, with that Ironman record, right? 51, 51 home runs as he walks back in the door in nineteen ninety. The next closest is in the American League is Mark McGuire with thirty nine. The next closest in baseball is Ryan Sandberg with forty. So here's Cecil Fielder can't find an everyday playing role with the Toronto Blue Jays. Can't find an everyday playing role in Major League Baseball. Has to go over to Japan. He's only there one year reinvents his wheel, completely establishes himself, walks back in the door, and leads baseball by 11 home runs. Is this impressive? Holy moly. Big Sess is one of only four players ever to hit the ball out of Old Tiger Stadium, out of the stadium. He's the only Detroit Tiger to ever do it as well. He's also the only player to ever hit it out of Milwaukee's old ballpark, and there's some Blue Jay ties there as well, as that was off former Blue Jay, uh, former two-time Blue Jay, Dan Playsack. By the way, Dan, if you're watching, and I, I know you're not, but man, I'm reaching out to you on Twitter. I'm trying to get Dan Playsack to come join us on the Locked On podcast. Locked On Blue Jays podcast, sorry. 1988, final season of his career, and he still hit 17 home runs for the then Anaheim Angels. So he just came back to North America hitting bombs left, right, and center. He would have almost 700 more RBIs for the Detroit Tigers than he would for the Toronto Blue Jays. Holy moly. Holy moly. Cecil Fielder led baseball in RBIs in 1990, 1991, and 1992. <laughs> he totaled 389 RBIs. Again, those are his first three seasons coming back from Japan, trying to establish that, hey, never mind the prove-it deal. I am the real deal here. 389 RBIs over the first three seasons Now, his son, Prince, of course, was a prolific home run hitter as well. Cecil and Prince Fielder, they're the only father-son duo to ever hit 50 home runs in a season. How impressive is that? How impressive is that? Now, I do wish there there was, you know, happier things to talk about when it comes to Cecil and Prince. A, I like them both as players. And B, you know, father-son relationships, you always want to root for them, right? But no, they've, they've been estranged for quite some time. There was a nasty uh, divorce in the family that with Cecil's, uh, sorry, with Prince's mom and Cecil. Uh, that began a rift, and then uh, money arguments from there uh, really got in between these two. They, they haven't spoken in quite some time. Now, Fielder was acquired at the trade deadline in 1996 by the hated New York Yankees. And how many of you remember this as well? Because I know when you think of Cecil Fielder, you think Detroit Tigers, you think a zillion home runs. You may be even, you may even remember him hitting it out of the stadium at Detroit out of the stadium in Milwaukee. Well, how many of us remember how good he was for the 1996 New York Yankees, who, by the way, won the World Series, right? He would go 16 for 52 in the playoffs for the Yankees. That's a 308 batting average, three home runs, 14 RBIs, 
And Cecil Fielder was so good for the Yankees during that playoff run, he won the Babe Ruth Award. The Babe Ruth is, is awarded to the best player of the entire postseason. 1996, Cecil Fielder. He tried to rejoin the Blue Jays in 99, right at the end of his career. And actually, if, if, if you remember that, he had a really good spring training. So it was a surprise, but he was traded for Dave Hollins. Dave Hollins was on that 1993 uh, Phillies team, of course, that the Blue Jays uh, repeated as, as World Series champions against. Now, at, right after he was traded, though, for Dave Hollins, he was soon thereafter released. And his incredible story, his incredible career was over. It was jam done. Thank you, Dulcimeras, for the comment and the support. And thank you for tuning in today, and I will see you on Locked on Blue Jays tomorrow.